0: every time.
1: A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in three, two, one.
0: All this week's episode, can a crowded field make any headways at the box office? What are the best video games coming to your gaming platform this fall? And we preview WWE SummerSlam sort of all this and more as we reach our next stop the pcc multiverse
2: don't be alarmed the quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds other voices other thoughts and other realities up feels like down and down feels like the number seven on a wednesday morning don't worry that quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse.
0: And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. My name is Gerald Glansford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend, he is our burnt-out superhero lover of Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out everything that he's doing today at PopCultureCosmos.com, Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and so much more. Plus also, order his book as well, Congratulations You Suck, today on Amazon and Barnes Noble. It is my good friend. It is. Josh Peterson. I know you're a little burnt out on superhero stuff, but we still got to talk about it. But we also got to talk about how you're selling out on Amazon.
3: I am ridiculously burnt out on superhero stuff. But yeah, books available on Amazon. Check it out today. There's one copy left. So if you hurry, pick it up, snatch it.
0: Snatch it indeed. I'll tell you what, it is great to hear that. The demand is there on Amazon. I'm hoping that there will be a replenishment on amazon.com, but if you can't get it there, there's other ways to get it, including barnesandnobles.com, and even if you go into a Barnes and Noble store, you can just request his awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck, and actually they'll carry it in the store as well. But it is going to be a great show we have for you today. We're going to talk about the crowded field of movies seemingly just upon us this weekend at the box office. Are any of them worth it? Are any of them Good. And who actually might come out on top this weekend at the box office? We'll talk about that. Plus also as well, you know what? Disney can do it. Sony can do it too. As far as a superhero universe coming to television and who's behind it all, we're going to talk about that here in a few minutes as well. Plus we have a fall gaming preview coming up on the back end of the show where we talk about the most important video games coming this fall season to your favorite gaming platform. And then last but not least, we'll talk about a little thing that happened to a very surprised video game store coming up at the end of the program as well. But on top of all that, like the cherry on top of a hot fudge sundae, we've got Greg Hall from We Podcast and We Know Things also stopping by. Well, it started out as a WWE SummerSlam preview, plus also the competition coming up very soon from AEW. We go all over the place when it comes to the current state of the WWE as we kind of preview WWE SummerSlam as well. In fact, to me, I think it was a better conversation than just a straight cross the board WWE SummerSlam preview. So it is very cool to hear him talk about what he feels about the current product of WWE. And that's coming up later in the program as well. But first, my friend, it is this weekend at the box office and we've got a lot of movies a lot of movies. For some strange reason, this has proven to be. Uh, well, I guess I'll say this to you, my friend. It's a dumping ground this weekend because we've got a lot of movies which are not expected to do that great coming to the box office this weekend. Those movies include Guillermo del Toro's latest, "Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark." We've also got "The Dora Dora" and "The Lost City of Gold." Featuring and teenage Dora the Explorer, yeah, I know, I know, I, I can't believe it myself, but yes, this is what Nickelodeon movies wants. You know what? That's what they want. The art of racing in the rain, and a comic book adaptation of a different kind in the kitchen. All those movies are coming out this weekend to the box office. Uh, I don't really think any of them will actually make a true. Long-lasting imprint at the box office, which is kind of a shame where there, all these movies were basically trying. It's like a free-for-all because Hobson-Shaw is still out in theaters. That is expected to do okay in the second weekend as one of the favorites to go ahead and lead the weekend along with The Lion King still in theaters and still doing very well. Plus, we'll also, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is still also in theaters, and that could make an imprint this weekend at the box office, spoiling it all for some of these brand new movies that are coming out. But I want to talk to you about this, my friend. All of those movies I mentioned when it comes to Dora and The Lost City of Gold, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, The Art of the Racing in the Rain, and also The Kitchen, all of them have lukewarm to very poor ratings when you go to Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes, none of them have a really outstanding score. And I'm surprised to tell you this, my friend, that Dora and Lost City of Gold is not the worst in this batch, which from what I saw in the trailer truly surprised me because it was really an awful trailer. But I want to ask you, my friend, the thing we want to focus on the most is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark because this is Guillermo del Toro coming back as a director to guide this movie. I've likened it from what I'm seeing as far as the reviews to something like a starter kit for teenagers and kids to get into the horror genre. Because it's PG-13, it's not going to go all the way on scary. And in fact, for those that we've talked about before that are trying to get into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, seeing how that's going to be, quote unquote, Marvel's first horror movie, this might be a good stepping stone for that. Because Dora and the Lost City of Gold the Art of Racing the Rain and The Kitchen, all of them are getting panned. The only one that's getting any kind of decent reviews is Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but it's certainly not one of Guillermo del Toro's best. So Dora the Explorer, for one, just looks awful.
3: It, it, I mean,
0: the, the trailer looks like it's going to be the worst movie ever, and that's what I expected on the reviews.
3: Right, right. But it, it I feel like the Disney live-action Kim Possible had better production value than what I'm seeing in this Door of the Explorer trailer.
0: Well, it just looked like everybody, as far as the actors are concerned, involved Michael Pena and all the others that are in there, Danny Trejo, who, you know what, I'm going to give him big props. He saved a special needs child earlier this week after an accident and he helped that child out in a certain time of need. So I'm going to give him all the props in the world for doing that. I might give him some slack for being in this movie. But as far as everyone else, it looks like they just went there for the paycheck.
3: I don't see this movie doing good, especially in a time where people are craving, you know, more Indiana Jones or Uncharted like movies.
0: But the fact is that they're aging Dora, you know, a little bit older and they're skewing her towards a teenage market, which I I get the fact that a lot of the teenagers now saw Dora when they were young. But I don't think that's really the right market to target.
3: Right. And it just, it doesn't feel believable to me. It doesn't feel real to me. And I just, I'm not a fan of that.
0: Yeah. Getting back to Del Toro, my friend. I mean, this is the follow-up to, I think this is the the movie. Lady Lady
3: in the Water. No, not Lady in the Water. Shape of Water.
0: The Shape of Water. I think this is the follow-up to that movie. It's not actually a sequel per se, but it's, it's the next movie that he's directed since that Oscar award winning movie. And it just doesn't look like it's something that's going to last in theaters or something that's going to leave a memorable mark in his career. No, but I mean, he's, I don't know, what was that? Crimson Peak was not a
3: movie that really left a memorable mark in his career either. Del Toro is an odd filmmaker in the fact that he hits or he misses. He'll either make something that's really good or he'll make something that's not that great, but then people will still forgive him. I don't think the man is capable of getting a black mark on his record. Because he's done so many great things and he's so good at bringing out the imagination in people. Whether or not the movie is good, you can still watch one of his movies and it sends a spark to your imagination that allows you to to see things and go to worlds that you couldn't go to with other movies. In Hollywood right now, Guillermo del Toro is one of the only filmmakers that is not afraid to make original films Hellboy Grant is based on something but none of his films are are reboots or remakes of any kind like he goes he really goes outside of the box with what he does and people at the studios don't seem to be afraid to let him do that no matter how good or bad his last films are what i like about this horror anthology is that it really reminds me of those shows that i watched when i was a kid goosebumps tales from the crypt or even like those scariest places on earth shows they used to show on abc family like he's exploring horror for a younger generation and we all started out on shows like that we didn't all just jump into friday the 13th or halloween movies like we started out small with movies like halloween town and stuff like that my thing with him is i'm wondering can he open that door but not walk into it if that makes sense
0: it is not expected to do that great over the long haul it's It's kind of disappointing as a follow-up to what we've seen from his previous Shape of Water Oscar-winning performance. But this leads me to a question I want to ask you when it concerns Hellboy, which you mentioned real briefly, because that was in his past. He did such a tremendous job with that series. It was rebooted this year to critical and commercial failure, and that could very well be one of the worst movies of the year right there for you. What would his influence have been on that type of film had he gotten a chance to go ahead and be part of the reboot? And basically, what went wrong with Hellboy in the first place?
3: Well, from what I understand, like Hellboy 2 did decent numbers. like They didn't lose money on it, but it didn't do the numbers that they wanted to. So they they rebooted it. And then in this new reboot, it was Guillermo del Toro was not involved. But what they did is they took chunks from all the short stories like because i'm going through the hellboy short story omnibus right now they took chunks of all these different short stories and they put them together so there wasn't really like a line of continuity that carried them and then they got too obsessed with over-the-top violence and comedy because they're trying to do like a dark version of what marvel's doing it just didn't turn out very well they didn't really explore what hellboy is he's he's a very multi-layered character because he's born onto earth but his fate is to destroy it but he rebels against that fate by doing good things for people like he he roots out supernatural things and helps people who are experiencing issues with things that are from fairy tales myth or stories things like that and they didn't really explore that in this movie i think they're just kind of looking to make money or sell action figures or create a franchise i don't know what it was but it just it did not do what it was supposed to. Whereas Guillermo del Toro, while he did stick to the comic books in the first one, he kind of went off the cusp with the second one. He created a world that isn't quite the Hellboy that we know, but it was still very beautiful.
0: Well, we've talked about the month of August not being a great month, and it's now considered by many to be the dumping ground, or what January used to be for Hollywood out there, as far as movies that are not earmarked for success, put on the August slate. The only one that we really thought was going to be earmarked for any type of success is Hobson and Shaw, and that looks, along with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, to probably both go over a hundred million dollars domestically real soon. In fact, we haven't even seen returns yet from China or overseas, really, to any extent when it comes to both those movies. So I'm eager to see what both those movies will do long term. But when it comes to the four movies that are coming out this weekend, Dora and the Lost City of Gold, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, The Art of Racing in the Rain, and The Kitchen, which, again, that's a comic book adaptation with Melissa McCarthy and Tiffany Haddish, and unfortunately, that is getting ravaged by the critics. And I had to even read up on this and I didn't even know it was a comic book adaptation because it certainly didn't have the feel of one. But unfortunately, it doesn't look like Melissa McCarthy has that same type of box office appeal that she once did. And this movie is expected to do real bad right out of the get-go. The Art of Racing the Rain. The only reason why this is getting any notoriety is because the fact that this is something Disney still has influence over because it's a Fox Searchlight movie. And with all the cuts that they made recently, including, I'm so disappointed when I say this, a Taika Waititi version of Flash Gordon with Chris Hemsworth as Flash Gordon. That was cut along with other several possibly good sounding projects. That was really disappointed when I heard that. So The Art of Racing in the Rain is one of those projects from Fox Searchlight that was still green by Disney, but it still isn't expected to do that well this weekend that this just seems like some movies that they want to throw out there for people to hopefully go and check out this weekend. But what are your thoughts out there when it comes to the movies this weekend? Are you going to see any of the new movies, whether it's Dora, Scary Stories, The Art of Racing, or The Kitchen? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Or are you going to go and check out The Lion King, Hobson Shaw, or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? We'd really love to hear your thoughts Pop culture, cosmos, humanity media, and game source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, my friend, before we head to the break, I want to hear your thoughts real quickly. And I'm already kind of getting a sense of what you're feeling lately when it comes to superhero universes. When Sony announced that they're collaborating with the guys that are responsible for the Lego movie, and that's Phil Lord and Chris Miller, they're developing a Marvel TV universe for Sony, which might mean some characters in the Spider Verse realm or maybe something along the lines from Venom, or it could be the Sinister Six, Craven the Hunter, that whole nine yards. What are your thoughts when you hear that Sony is developing their own Marvel television universe? Is it really worth it? Does it bring you back any interest at all into superheroes at this point in time?
3: No, not at all. Like it, it Honestly, it stresses me out because I'm so burnt out on Marvel and superheroes. And I told you this the other night. I don't like having to watch 20 different things just to keep up with continuity on the one thing that I do want to watch. So ABC has their own set of shows. Hulu has their own set of shows. Disney plus is going to have their own set of shows. Sony's going to have their own set of Marvel shows. And then on top of that, there's still the movies. I am so exhausted of all this side content. If it's just movies, that'd be a whole other thing, but I don't need to go through and watch all this other stuff because it's all going to be continuity And I just, I don't have the time for it.
0: I just got intimidated when I heard that season one of Lord of the Rings is going to be 20 episodes long. But then again, they're spending a whole lot of payola for this whole thing to get started and kicked off. So I can't necessarily blame Amazon for going ahead and talking about 20 episodes in the first season of the Lord of the Rings series. But you're right, a Marvel Spider-Man TV universe I'm not exactly thrilled for myself because, again, that is more content to watch than we really have time for with all the Disney Plus stuff, with all of their stuff and all the other DC and and other related universe type stuff that people are out there trying to watch, including the boys on Amazon, which we gave high recommendations to. It is a little bit too much. It is a little bit too taxing. And I'm not sure if all of it's going to hit on such a high note for Sony when it comes out as far as all the different platforms for it. You know, it gets even worse because we just heard the news that Netflix just signed the Game of Thrones showrunners to go ahead and create their own stuff on that platform. So you know that stuff is going to be high profile as well, whatever they're bringing to Netflix, because they just signed a $200 million deal there. So, oh. All this money going around is great for for all these people that are involved, but for us as fans, as us, as viewers, it might be just a little bit too much. What are your thoughts out there on all this stuff going on, including the Sony Spider-Verse coming to television? Also as well, the Game of Thrones showrunners getting $200 million to be a part of the Netflix platform. and Then all the other stuff that seemingly are out there that is just on the verge of being produced from Marvel, Lord of the Rings and whatnot. Is it too much? Please share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also, as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. When we come back, it's my good friend Greg Hall from We Podcast and We Know Things. We're going to have kind of like a WWE SummerSlam preview. It started out that way and went into a totally different direction with thoughts on AEW and also as well the WWE product as a whole. This is the PCC Multiverse. Listen up, all you gamers out there. Miracle Fruit Oil is ramping up the deals on its awesome Vitabrace gaming wristband. Vitabrace is clinically proven to help improve your gaming performance. Vitabrace will help you achieve your gaming goals, whether it's that single-player campaign, retro classic, or battle royale. Head on over today to miraclefruitoil.com. And if you use the code VitaBrace50, you'll get half off on a VitaBrace gaming wristband or use the code buy one, get one, and it's buy one, get one free. That's right. Just use the code VitaBrace50 or buy and the number one, get and the number one today to get some great deals on some VitaBrace gaming wristbands. So check it out today at MiracleFruitOil.com. VitaBrace, win with it. All right, and we're back with the program. It's Gerald coming right back at you here with the PCC Multiverse. And this weekend, it's WWE SummerSlam. I know a lot of people out there are looking forward to it. And some pro wrestling fans are a little bit apathetic about what's going on with the WWE and their product right now. So it's kind of an either-or type situation at this point. Falling numbers, the way the ratings are. AEW is on the rise. They're on the prowl. They're in the horizon as far as coming to TNT. It's like a backdrop to what's going on with WWE SummerSlam. And here to discuss SummerSlam and other things, WWE is a good friend of mine. He's been on the show before and hopefully will be on many more times. He is one of the hosts of the awesome show. We podcast and we know things. You got to check it out today on a gazillion podcast outlets because When you see mine, as far as the pop culture cosmos, you will see theirs. It is a good man indeed. It is Greg Hall. Greg, I wanna congratulate you first on the birth of your child earlier this year. I know you couldn't make it on the last time because of that. And that is obviously the best reason of all.
1: Thank you, thank you very much. It has been the greatest seven months of my life. So thank you very much.
0: Absolutely, enjoy it while you can as a father of two girls. I Mm. I know this all too well. But it is WWE SummerSlam this weekend. I want to give everybody a quick rundown. You know, if you're interested out there and you're not sure the lineup, it is going to be Universal Champion Brock Lesnar defending against Seth Rollins. Women's Champion for Raw, Becky Lynch, defending against Natalya in a submission match. WWE Champion Kofi Kingston, who almost feels like an afterthought at this point in time, unfortunately, defending against Randy Orton. SmackDown Women's Champion Bayley defending against Ember Moon. Goldberg versus Dolph Ziggler, because you know we've got to have a 50-year-old plus semi-retired star come back to beat someone on the current roster. And then also as well, Charlotte Flair versus Trish Status, United States champion AJ Styles defending against Ricochet, Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. And Owens said he'll quit, quote-unquote, WWE if he loses The Fiend Bray Wyatt in his 15th different gimmick since he started with the company versus Finn Balor. And last but not least, Cruiserweight Champion Drew Gulak defending against Oni Lorcan. That's not the lineup I would have in mind for one of my major shows of the year.
1: A-E-Dub, A-E-Dub, A-E-Dub. Like, I am so much more excited about All Out on August 31st than I am for this SummerSlam in three days. So, uh, you know, when I think about SummerSlam, I look at they're bringing back Legends again to pop ratings again to bury new talent again, and then we're rehashing old matches again. I made a promise to myself, and I've kept it so far. I made a promise to myself that as long as Brock Lesnar is in the WWE, I will not watch Raw or SmackDown. I watch all the recaps, so I'm kind of cheating. I know all the storylines. I'm caught up on all that. I watch the, you know, the Hulu version sometimes, but man, I will not give my live rating to the WWE because I think he is the worst thing to happen in professional wrestling ever. I know I'm not the only one, but I'm probably in the minority on that, but to see him in another main event versus Seth Rollins. And if Seth wins, it completely devalues the Money in the Bank ladder match that Brock Lesnar came out at the last second and won because it's pointless because now it's just the belts back on Seth. This to me feels like a seven-hour we've seen it before.
0: There is nothing original that I can tell by it, and it's just a shame that that's the case because nothing excites me. Randy Orton, I think I've talked about this before with you. He's just the he's a guy that just based off of his tough look and whatnot will always get an upper place on the card, but. Excites no one in the fact that he has zero in the charisma department. Unfortunately, that's what Kofi Kingston gets as far as the challenger in one of the major cards of the year. And I don't know, as far as him and his outlook, as far as the champion's concerned, I don't see the WWE putting a great interest in him. And that's a shame because the fact that he possibly could be the champion going into the SmackDown, which is going to be coming to Fox. You know, which is supposed to be a major upgrade, which is supposed to be a major time for them to come out as far as an entity is concerned. He's your champion, and I just don't see him getting the love that I think he deserves.
1: Listen, I like Kofi. I actually prefer Kofi as a singles competitor over his gimmick in the New Day. I don't love the New Day. They're yeah, they're funny, but I think they just have they're kind of a one-trick pony. They they do the same thing whether it's pancakes or bootios and they kind of run it into the ground. I think Kofi is an incredible talent. I love everything he does in all the Royal Rumbles. He's fantastic. But he's the type of guy that when used improperly, he doesn't he has a ton of charisma. Don't get me wrong. When he beat Daniel Bryan, the crowd went nuts. Popped like crazy but he doesn't seem like the guy who can be a sustainable champion for a long time without that extra push. And when you're defending your championship against Randy Orton, who don't get me wrong, has been the golden child for a long time, 13 time champion youngest ever at one point, 21 years old, holding the title third generation superstar. But when I look at SummerSlam, one of the big four pay-per-views of the year, the big three, probably the number two behind mania, I would say the rumble is, but whatever, You're going into this, the four people in the big main men's card, none of them do anything exciting for me anymore. The two matches I'm most excited for on this card, three, really, the three matches I care about on this card are all mid-card, all of them, including AJ versus Ricochet, because even though AJ is a main event guy, they're going for the U.S. title, and let's call it what it is. The U.S. title has been buried for the past few years. It's an irrelevant championship. I'm in for the match, not so
0: much the consequence ricochet is someone who i have earmarked as being a star for quite some time since he was prince puma before and all that yeah, yeah exactly before he he got into nxt and then wwe i see him still as a star i think he can create exciting moments i don't know if he's good enough on the mic to go ahead and put as your guy on top but then again that leads me to a question right there who can go ahead and propel the WWE at this point in time. Because like we talk about, AEW, it's lurking right around the corner. And your numbers are falling overall year over year. Yes, they're slightly up as of this recording right now, but that's only because of the interest there is, whatever there is when it comes to SummerSlam. But with SmackDown going to Fox and Fox executives saying on the surface that they're not concerned, but you got you to think that they are when they're going to build their Friday nights around SmackDown. What are your thoughts about the lack of, uh, you know, I guess of of quality at this point in time, the lack of a star, the the just lack of interest from fans out there when it comes to the WWE product right now. I mean, I know there's several reasons for it. I mean, we could probably go on here for another two, three, four hours on the list of problems and the things that they've done. The WWE has over the past five to 10 years to create this problem, but it's a big problem right now. And I think the WWE has yet to face it.
1: There are, I think the WWE is almost, they're self-aware, but they don't want to admit it, of the product that they put out there. They're trying to, they'll pop ratings any way they want. We saw the Raw reunion was a joke, right? That was a joke of a thing. It fell flat on its face. The WWE has so... Much talent in NXT, which I still think is the number one wrestling promotion in the world. I think it has the most talent, even more than New Japan, even more than AEW. There are so many stars in the making in in NXT. But whenever they come up to the main roster, what happens? They get buried, they become comedy fodder, or they eventually go down back to NXT like Tyler Breeze. And they get buried. That's why I don't want Adam Cole or Dargano on main roster. Let them go kill it in NXT for another few years and then go to AEW when their contract is up so they can get propelled to the moon like they should. Because as long as Vince is around, because that's the biggest problem, right? As long as Vince is around, he likes the beef. He likes the big dude. And Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, Taker. uh, Taker's a legend, I get it. But these big-bodied guys that... I don't know if that's what the wrestling fan wants nowadays. The product has changed. And the fact is WWE is so risk averse when it comes to the type of match they put on. If you watch a Jeff Hardy match or you watch a ricochet match, you can almost choreograph the whole thing start to finish. You know the spots, you know the moves, you know how every ricochet match is going to start. You know, every single match is going to end with the 630 and it's like. It's so unsurprising that I'm just watching spot fest after spot fest, but they're not high risk. I know what I'm getting into. I know that it's safe. You can't even do the Styles Clash much anymore. He did one against, I think it was even Ricochet from like the second rope. So they got away with one there, but they can't do pile drivers. They can't do this. They can't do that. And because of the fact that WWE wants to play it so safe and Vince is in charge and tickets are, by the way, way too expensive those factors right then and there you're you're really moving people away and when you have a product like, like AEW coming in with that they're very upfront with everything and I and I appreciate that I think the wrestling fan appreciates that too they don't have a Vince McMahon right now and I think that's a huge differentiator and that that's where I can see AEW gaining steam but man there's a lot of factors that are going into the quite frankly the boredom that is the WWE and and as much as I love professional wrestling, and again, there are three matches I'm really looking forward to on this card, it just overall, I know what's going to happen. I know it's what I'm going to get. I'm good with it. Like, I'll watch it. It'll entertain me, but I'm not going to, like, talk about it with my friends the next day, but I will talk about All Out for a week after that's done.
2: You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do do people still use dials? <laughs> Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from robmccallumfilms.com. robmccallumfilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching.
0: You know what? Unfortunately, I am going to be that guy that goes... I went back when in the Attitude Era. <laughs> but unfortunately, you know, as I've looked back in recent times as far as video from not only the Attitude Era, as far as the crowd responses, what got people over, what got wrestlers over, the wrestlers that did appear before the camera that connected with the audience, but also just before that, when the WWE was in trouble financially, what was not working, bad gimmicks, bad storylines, bad wrestling. Those type of things I've seen right now, I see sort of a similarity between 1995, 1996, and right about now with bad storylines, bad gimmicks, and uninteresting characters. Then, you know, it's just like almost like the calm before the storm, before, you know, the organic rise of The Rock, the organic rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin, the organic rise of... Evil Mister McMahon and the corporate entity that they were, and then also the you you know if you were I want to say the WCW, you can say the NWO and all that. I see that happening now with AEW. I am late to the party as far as getting on that train for AEW, but I'm on it now because I didn't want to really believe that that was going to actually happen as far as the continuing success of AEW because you and I have seen the story in Song and Dance before where. There's a fledgling promotion. There's some interest, and it goes down after after a hot start. But now we're actually seeing AEW has a real chance to make some noise and make it for a long period of time.
1: What I really appreciate what AEW does different, right, because I completely agree. I grew up in the 90s, so I was a baby. I, I was born in 88. So growing up in 92, 93. 93 was the first time I ever watched a wrestling match. I was four years old, five years old, and it mesmerized me. But it was Bret Hart versus Mabel and from from men on a mission who eventually became viscera and i'm like this is bigger than life it's awesome but then i'm watching duke the dumpster drozy and the repo man and the goon and i'm like okay a little too childish for me still i'm growing up i'm growing up I'm growing up but these characters don't do it for me you click over to wcw and i'm like razor ramon diesel but wait they're scott hall They're Kevin Nash. It was like that real feeling. It gave me like these were just, these were guys. They weren't just characters. And that's what kind of gravitated me towards Juventud Guerrera and Rey Mysterio Jr. And Conan. And I loved the WCW in the late nineties, but unfortunately they had Vince Russo taking care of their creative in 2000 when you had, I think 19 champions or even maybe more than that title changes in 2000 alone, one of them being David Arquette. That's the beautiful thing that AEW doesn't have is it doesn't have a Vince Russo, Eric Bischoff tandem. So they kind of have like a little bit more creative based off of podcasts from like John Moxley and, Dustin Rhodes, it sounds like that the wrestlers have a little bit to do with their creative and can give input on their storyline. And that's how you get the ecosystem going. That's how you get wrestler buy-in. And that's how you get fan buy-in because you're giving the wrestlers freedom to be professionals, also have a little bit of you know input into their storylines, and they don't go out and say stupid stuff. I think even a, a fourth thing about WWE that I have a big problem with is the cringiness of their promos. It's It's just... Catchphrase after catchphrase after catchphrase. And nobody talks like that. What I appreciate about AEW, they keep it real. They talk like an actual individual would. And they don't say these stupid buzzwords or phrases that mean nothing to the average fan.
0: They're allowing people who know how to do promos. They're not going in front of Chris Jericho with a script. I've heard him on interviews say that they're just talking points. These are the talking points we'd like to say. If you don't say them, that's fine. If you do, that's great. But he's going ahead and crafting his own promo. The guys who need help with promos are getting that help. The guys who don't, the Dustin Rhodes, the Cody Rhodes, the Chris Jericho's, the John Moxley's. They're actually just, they're only given talking points and they're taking it off from there. Instead of what you got in the WWE where it's so scripted and so forced that it just becomes nauseating at times to watch.
1: If I just, if I hear it's glorious one more time, like I got it. You know, I'm just, nobody talks mm-hmm. like that. And what I appreciate about it, about AEW is just that little ounce of freedom, because that leaves you that little, you never know what you're going to get moment. And I love the word you used organic to me, entertainment, when it can come about organic, it's a live show. Vince McMahon said it himself. When you're live, nothing's a mistake. It's all supposed to have happened. I cannot wait for a w and tnt i know we met we're like we're supposed to talk about summer tonight and i know we got off track a little bit but it's just my disappointment overall with the product right now and my excitement for what's coming new i think that's a nice place to be is we're not forced into an, a monopoly with wrestling we get to you know pick and choose come october 2nd or 3rd what we want to watch and that's very cool to me i cannot wait
0: well i've told you this before and i've told i've said this on the show before Something will not reach a mass audience unless it's organic. That's when something truly gets over. That's when something truly gets popular, whether it's a Steve Austin, a Rock, an Avengers Endgame, whatever it is in pop culture or entertainment, it reaches that mass audience, and the mass audience will pick up on it if it's not forced, it's organic. And I don't see that right now with a WWE product in most instances. They have something going with Becky Lynch. I know a lot of people loved it. I know you Had actually in our previous conversation, just really loved the man gimmick that she was Mm -hmm. doing, but they seem to have toned that down, or at least you know the emphasis on it has really just not been there over the past weeks and months, and it's it's a shame. We've seen Seth Rollins, who is as talented as anyone on God's green earth. I will give him that. Even after the injury that he had, he is as talented as far as an individual in ring worker as anyone in the business. But he just does not have it all together when it comes to the charisma, getting over, connecting with the crowd, the talking points. That's not there enough for him to go ahead and be that person that's going to stand out for you. So I ask you this, my friend, if there is anyone or is there anyone in the WWE as we head into SummerSlam that can take this company into the future as it heads into public television once again with SmackDown, As it heads into possibly one, two, three tiers for the WWE Network so you can dish out more of your money, as we head on into a bigger competition with AEW, do you see anyone on the roster that you could think, as as they say in the wrestling business, take that ball and run with it?
1: I am so glad you asked that. And really quick on the Becky Lynch stuff, I think she started to go downhill when they forced in the relationship stuff with Seth Rollins. I think that was really bad. She is much better off on her own. I agree with you. Kind of doing own thing. I, I see i'm such a mark for this i'm such a mark for this but god bless bray wyatt i love when i heard for the first time we're really glad that you're our uh, friend i was like what is this and then he comes on yeah wowie and i'm like this is mr rogers neighborhood on like drugs i love this this is great oh it's dark cool where's this going? And then you saw for the first time that fiend mask. And I was like, legitimately, I was like, that's, that's creepy. That is actually scary to me. And what are they going to do to botch this? What are they going to do to mess it up? But they didn't, they actually have done a very, very, very good job. And they're placing little subtle hints like mercy, the buzzards in the background of a ricochet promo or whatever. They're kind of placing like Abby, the witch kind of just on a on a stack of uh, boxes or whatever. And they're just giving you those subtle hints. And now he's shown up and in consecutive weeks beat up Kurt Angle and Mick Foley. He, Yeah, he's feuding with Finn Balor again like he did pre-injury. I'm glad it's not the demon because that's an auto win for Finn. But Bray Wyatt, Finn Balor is, in my opinion, could be match of the night. It's the one I'm looking forward to most. I love this fiend character. And if you can push Bray Wyatt to the moon and find a way... For a scary, creepy gimmick to be the face, I, I don't want to say the face of the organization because he'd he would be a heel character, but he could almost be like the face heel, like a tweener because he has the heel and hurt. It's like, he's good one day, he's bad the other. We don't know what we're going to get, and it's not just the same schlock. Man, I would absolutely love to see Bray Wyatt just push to the stratosphere. He got himself in great shape. He's a good competitor, even when he was on the heavier side. He's got a good move set. His Firefly gimmick with the crowd with their cell phone lights was way over. The Wyatt family was way over. His stuff with Woke and Matt was, was decently over, maybe more for Matt than him. But he's got a chance to propel himself with this new gimmick. God, I hope he can because he, to me, I would watch that every week.
0: Well, there you go. I, I like Bray Wyatt's new character, But I'm going to be, again, here comes that realist. Here comes that pessimist. I don't want to hold my hopes out on it because I feel that WWE every single time is going to screw it up because, again, their biggest success stories come out of accident or become organic from the actual performer's sake as opposed to what WWE does. And then WWE takes it from there. Once they recognize it, they're good about taking it to that next level. But it's them recognize it part of the problem. And if it goes 50-50 booking, like they've done with virtually everyone on the roster over the past year, two, three, four years now, it would probably be very disappointing. I know you'll be the first among them to be disappointed if that's the case.
1: To your point, though, one thing I think Vince kind of gets ticked off when wrestlers get themselves over, because look at Rusev Day. Rusev Day organically happened because of Twitter. And Rusev just trying to start hashtagging it and then every day waking up saying, it's Rusev Day, it's Rusev Day. That was one of the most over gimmicks in the past five years. And the crowd eats it up every time. It it. Where's he at now? I don't know. That's and where was he at the height of Rusev Day? I don't know. Feuding with – no, I don't even remember who he was feuding with. Don't know. And Rusev's a darn good in-ring performer. So, like, it's a shame. The man gimmick got over, right, because of Becky. And then creative started to take it in the direction with Seth and made Seth part of that. Why? Why bring a man into it? Let Becky be the man. She was great. So I almost feel like WWE like, puts their own foot in their mouth, and it stinks. It's their creative. It's not the wrestlers. It's not their fault. It's the creative. It's the scripting. It's all that junk. I'm sure you heard John Moxley's interview on Chris Jericho's podcast. It was one of the greatest 90 minutes of audio I've ever heard in my life. It was so eye-opening. And it's just it's – it's got – where there's smoke, right? Like He cannot be lying, and we're seeing it right in front of our eyes.
0: And you heard the responses from Seth Rollins and also yeah. Roman Reigns as far Dude. as the show. WWE's paying your paycheck. What are you supposed to say? You're supposed to be a company man all the way.
1: Yeah, like save that crap. Get off Twitter with that, though. Like send him a text. Like come on, man. He, Seth kind of looked immature and kind of like a baby a little bit with that. And I don't know. Mox is just – Mox is killing it. I did not like Dean Ambrose. I was not at all – an Ambrose fan. But as soon as he was out and now he's Mox, he's just awesome. (laughs) It's it's, back to the hardcore legend, man.
0: It's just that old adage. Once somebody leaves the WWE, they have that period of time where the hot property and hot commodity in independent wrestling federations all around the world. So he is taking advantage of it. It's how long you can sustain that. Very few have sustained that type of notability, that type of credibility for any period of time for maybe a year or two years after that, Cody Rhodes is one of the few. Obviously Chris Jericho is one of the few. There are very few, so let's hope John Moxley, now that he's aligned with aew, will continue that success and I think aew at least right now is is doing all the right things as far as the way it's promoting, who is winning, who is losing, and how that's being structured. So again, with all the analytics that they're now part of, all the social media that they go ahead and analyze everything down to a T. They're doing the right things. I'm now on board when it comes to AEW, seeing all the sellouts, seeing all the things that they're doing right. And I'm hoping that they will prove themselves to be a viable contender for the months and years to come when it comes to the WWE. Mm -hmm. But once again, it is Greg Hall from We Podcast and We Know Things. We shared our thoughts today on WWE as it heads into SummerSlam this weekend. Not exactly the kind of card we were hoping for, but there are still some good matches there. One thing you guys got to do is check out the awesome show, We Podcast and We Know Things. And Greg, before we go on out, I want to hear your thoughts on exactly why people need to check out your awesome show, We Podcast and We Know Things.
1: Because we are the single source for all of your nerdy news in gaming, TV, film, music, and all things pop culture. Heck, we basically spread the good word of nerd one episode at a time.
0: And, you know, I fed him the script on that, just to let you
1: know. <laughs> I've said that for so many episodes that I could do it in my sleep.
0: I hear you. Same same thing with a lot of stuff that I say. And I know a lot of people do as well. They hear that from me. And I, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I, still, it once again.
1: I still, in random times during the day, in my head go, the pop culture cosmos just randomly
0: i love the way you do that thank you thank you i mean what can i say it's it's now second nature and you know (laughs) when your daughters are singing in the backseat of the van as you're listening to it yeah exactly it's it's kind of weird indeed but my friend i gotta have you back on here coming up very soon in the near future because we got to talk a lot of good things of pop culture but i definitely want to hear your thoughts on what's going on as far as best films of the year maybe best video games and even best pro wrestling as we get closer to the end of 2019 i want to hear your thoughts on these subjects hopefully you'll get a chance to sit down and talk with me I know as a new father that your time is valuable indeed, So, but if you can, please, I'd love to get a chance to stop by and share your thoughts on the best of 2019 as soon as you can.
1: I'm happy to do it, and it's cool that we're in different time zones, so I'm more than happy while she's asleep to come on the show. Would love to do it. Obviously, I love partnering with you. It's so much fun, and it's a little break from
0: my show, which is always really cool, so uh, happy to do it whenever you want. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Well, once again, it is Greg Hall from We Podcast and We Know Things. He's always welcome on the show, and you also have to check out his awesome show. and the Thousands and thousands of listeners to his program, they all swear by it, and you should too. It is We Podcast and We Know Things. It's available on a gazillion podcast outlets, and you got to check it out real soon. My Thanks friend, oh, no problem. It's always great to have you on the show, and always great to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos there you go for you
1: my friend dude i literally all the time just random i'm like the pop culture cosmos.
2: (laughs) if you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games we can help retro city games in henderson nevada only five minutes from the las vegas strip has all your favorite gaming staples classics and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
0: And we're back to close out the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you need a listing of where we're at, because we're being played all around the world, seven days a week on awesome radio stations. Check out our listings today at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And also you can check out our latest and greatest pop culture information on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Just want to give a big shout out to our good friends at the Western Reserve Digital Broadcasting. You want to check out our programs there because they play them during the course of the week. Cannot thank them enough for playing the show and also as well their audience for listening to it. And the awesome folks at Gunna Geek, they're one of our many different podcast outlets. I've counted over 30. I know there's a, probably a lot more than that, but the great guys at Gunna Geek cannot thank them enough for being part of the pop culture cosmos. Well, my friend, I want to talk about before we go ahead and close out the show, fall gaming preview, man. It's about that time of the year. We're about to get into the nitty gritty when it comes to a lot of AAA games coming out. I first want to start off with September, in early September on the 6th, you got a big day there because both Gears of War 5 and NBA 2K20 come out right with each other. Your thoughts on Gears 5 and NBA 2K20, microtransactions included, are coming to a console near you.
3: Before we talk about that, can we just talk about how great Oninaki looks for the Nintendo Switch?
0: That should be something very popular when it hits the Nintendo store. So yeah, you're right. That does look like a very good game that's coming up real soon.
3: I don't see them really competing with each other because they're two completely different types of games that probably appeal to two different types of fans. You know, NBA 2K20, I'm sure, has its diehard NBA 2K fans, but Gears 5 is kind of a different type of game. And I don't know a lot of people who like... To play those third-person shooters but also dive into sports games that being said there hasn't been enough marketing for gears 5 for anyone to really know what it is i know that they put the multiplayer beta out and people were loving it but they did a great job marketing gears 4 back when it first came out because everyone was stoked about that but now with gears 5 like you don't know what you're getting
0: they both are coming around the week of september 6th so look for them on those dates you also have the next week after that on September 13th, I know this is a game you're pointing to as one of the biggest for this fall. I'm just kind of worried that Borderlands 3 might not get the same reaction because I know there's going to be a heavy, heavy push, but there might be a little bit of pushback because Gears 5, NBA 2K20 will just be out. There's some other stuff that's coming out later in the month that might detract a little bit in sales, but will it be to the level that it needs to be or will it get injured sales-wise? Because we saw this last year when it comes to Tomb Raider and how that got hurt. But with Borderlands 3, do you see it coming out of the pack and being a dominant force in the month of September?
3: Yeah, I I would say so. I think it's going to sell more than Gears 5 is. But the, the only thing I would say that would slow down Borderlands 3 is it's exclusive to the Epic Store, right? So when we saw... The announcement at PAX, you know, everyone in the comment box on every website just kept going saying Steam, Steam, Steam. I'm definitely confident that it's going to do well, especially with all the new stuff you can do it in. And you got to admit that, like, Gearbox is really good to their fans. They're doing a very good job of marketing this game, and I, I feel like it's going to do Very well. I think it's going to sell more than, you know, a lot of these other games that come out in September. Nino Cooney, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, probably not FIFA, but I'm pretty sure that's going to sell more than Gears 5.
0: October, we've got Grid. That's something that I'm looking forward to as far as a redo, a reimagining of that classic game. WWE 2K20 comes out October 22nd. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, as they get back into Modern Warfare on October 25th, then also you might have a surprise from the Nintendo Switch that's something that might sell very well on October 31st, Luigi's Mansion 3, perfect timing for Nintendo Switch. I think that might surprise a lot of people over the course of the holiday season. But don't forget also as well, a lot of hype is going into the Outer Worlds, which is coming October 25th as well. So it's not a super stacked month as normally October is for a lot of AAA games that are normally coming out around that time, but there could be some surprises when you look at what's going on in October.
3: Ghost Recon Breakpoint, I'm I'm excited to play. I, I got to get a little hands-on time with that E3. Uh...
0: But Ghost Recon Wildlands did not make the numbers and did not do as well as a lot of people were hoping for. So that's why I'm not holding out hope for the same thing for Breakpoint.
3: Yeah, but I mean, they've done a good job of marketing it so far. And that's something that a lot of Tom Clancy games don't really have the opportunity to have is good marketing.
0: That's coming out on October 4th to all the major platforms. I'm telling you right now, my friend, look out for The Outer Worlds, It's something a lot of people could be very excited for. If the reviews are really good on that game, then watch out. This game could really take off I mean, it is Call of Duty's month, rest assured, but there could be some surprises in store with Luigi's Mansion 3, The Outer Worlds, and a remake of Grid as well. November, I'm telling you, my friend, your favorite game, Just Dance 2020, that's coming out on November 5th, so watch out for Josh and the dance floor there. But you also have Jumanji, the video game. Will that be more than just a throwaway commercial tie-in to the Jumanji sequel that's coming out in December? There's also the major game, I think, of the month is going to be Pokemon Sword and Shield, November 15th. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which has looked really, really good. That's coming out November 15th. And don't get me started again on the conversation about it being a single-player narrative from EA. That's another conversation we've had on a previous episode that I don't want to get to again, or else it's going to raise my blood pressure. Shenmue 3 is finally coming out. That remake of that classic game, That's coming out November 19th. And Doom Eternal, the last scheduled major AAA platform game, that's coming out on the 22nd from Bethesda. There's usually in the fall two or three more big name AAA games that are coming out along with all these other games. I don't see as much on the marquee per se, but I want to hear your thoughts on some of the games that are coming out during that part of the year.
3: Let me just say I love how Just Dance is coming out on Nintendo Wii. There's a
0: reason why it comes out on the Wii. It is not a joke. They do it every single year. It's like the reason why Madden came out on so many different platforms that had already been retired for so many years after they were retired is because there was still a market for them. There is a reason why it comes out on Wii, and it's all because of dollars, my friend.
3: November is a pretty busy month because if you look at it, like there's Pokemon Shield, Pokemon Sword. Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, Shinmu 3, Doom Eternal, like, these are not small games. These are all very, very big games all coming out within a week of each other. And this is kind of like the last bit before Christmas rolls around. It's not 2017's winter gaming season, but this is still a lot of games.
0: Overall this year, I think there's just about two or three major names short of what being a great fall is all about, but there's still going to be plenty of time and plenty of games coming out that we're going to spend our time on. And, and of course, we're going to talk about it here on the show, but your thoughts overall on the fall gaming platform, and is there enough games that you see is going to be coming out that's going to be able to cleanse your palate?
3: I would say yes, there, there's enough there as someone who doesn't have as much time to play games as i used to have like this is this is going to keep me busy so it's not like there's a dry spell it's not like it's february through may you know when nothing comes out like there is enough games here to keep people pretty occupied and and granted i know next year is going to be nuts because you know that's the new consoles are coming out but for the last holiday season of this generation like this is still a pretty solid list of games coming out
0: Well, if you need a list of what's upcoming for the months of August, September, October, November, and December, check out our listing today. It's available on our popculturecosmos.com site. You'll be able to go ahead and check out what's coming soon to a video game platform real soon. And if you have any thoughts on what games you're excited for and what games you're not excited for that are coming out this fall, Please, we want to know, we want to hear your thoughts, we want to get your feedback on what games you're looking forward to so we can talk about them as well. PopCultureCosmos at yahoo.com and PopCultureCosmos, GameSource, Humanica Media on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter as well. Before we head on out, I want to thank Greg Hall from We Podcast and We Know Things for sharing his thoughts on the WWE, AEW, and SummerSlam as well i tell you what, I saw this article and I couldn't believe my eyes when I'm seeing it, but somebody went into a Seattle game shop. I wish it was our friends at Retro City Games, but unfortunately it was in Seattle. Somebody walked into a Seattle video game store and sold a Nintendo World Championships NES cartridge, which is one of the rarest cartridges out there for $13,000. That's crazy, my friend. Why would you go ahead and, and just walk into a store and say, hey... I've got this cartridge I want to go ahead and trade. And they had to inform the individual exactly just how rare that cartridge was.
3: Their theory was that he had collected games when he was younger and he just didn't care anymore. So he went in there to sell it all. Then they found this cartridge and he was super surprised at how much it was. But it sounds like he wouldn't have been in there selling his stuff if he wasn't after just a quick paycheck. So I don't think they could have convinced him to keep it
0: regardless and let me ask you this. Would you have gone to the store and trade in, or would you have sold it yourself?
3: If I knew what it was, I probably would have sold it myself just to see what I could get. Because he could probably, if he put it out there on eBay, there's an Atari game that's sold for a ton of money too. So I, he could have probably made more money if he would have gone online and tried it himself. But, you know, again, it sounds like he was after a quick paycheck as opposed to really wanting to shop it around.
0: What rare game would you be looking for if you were a collector and you went to, well, actually, no, you are a-, a small-time collector, per se, but is there a game that you desire more than any other?
3: So, I have actually been looking at games on eBay right now, but, like, I, what I would want is, so, I actually, I don't know. There's nothing really that, like, I've been dying to get a hold of. I just bought Croc on Sega Saturn, and I've always been a fan of that, but, you know, as far as PlayStation 1 goes, anytime we go into Retro City games, I'm always looking for three titles. I'm looking for Legend of Legaia, Ergie's King of the Ring, and the other one was uh, Brave Fencer Musashi. And Doug is always saying that those games, anytime they land in the shop, they're gone within an hour of them being there.
0: Exactly, because they sell so well and and are so valuable. I'll just say this: it, you know, for someone out there that has those type of games in their closet in their attic get some advice before you go ahead and just trade it in or look it up. It's not too hard on a Google search to look up the value of all these games that are out there, no matter if they're common or they're rare. In fact, you know what? To get the best advice at all, just go ahead and check out from Ron McCallum Films, Nintendo Quest. And it tells you right there, a lot of the value of some of these great old vintage games. Josh, I want to thank you for being part of the show once again. You know what? We've got a great show coming up on Monday. Got a lot of things to talk about in pop culture. I know there's a lot of stuff that you want to go over as well. So I'm definitely looking forward to it as we talk about the world of pop culture again on the pop culture cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a oh, great. Yeah. <sighs> Myopia you Defender Childhood is a nostalgic movie podcast where we rewatch the movies of the 80s and 90s as we walk down memory lane. From action to animation, horror to sci-fi, we rewatch the movies my panelists and I grew up watching to see how our pasts hold up. Join us every other Thursday on the ESO Network. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Letterboxd, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever podcasts are found. Thanks!